Many Christians struggle to defend the truth of the Christian worldview. But what if there was a podcast dedicated to answering the toughest objections to Christianity? That's the mission of the Daily Apologist podcast. And on today's episode, I talk about natural evil and the deconversion of Jonathan Steingard, the lead singer of the Christian band Honk Nelson. Ladies and gentlemen, it is good to be with you once again. And as mentioned in the opening, we're going to look at the final the final piece to Jonathan Steingard's deconversion, specifically in referencing the problem of evil. There are more things that Mr. Steingard mentions, but the first thing that he mentions out of the gate is the problem of evil. And over the last couple of episodes, we've looked at the logical problem of evil and we've looked at the evidential problem of evil. And, and I would say philosophically, those two issues can be resolved relatively easily. I think the one thing, the one part of the problem of evil that um, certainly impacts the most number of people is the emotional problem of evil. And the emotional problem of evil stems from circumstances and situations that we really just can't explain or justify or have a or we don't seem to have an answer for why they happen. And and these things come from what's called natural evils, like uh, hurricanes and tornadoes and typhoons and earthquakes that cause billions and billions of dollars of damage and also take the lives of numerous people. And, And that, I think, in this day and age, is the thing that will will cause the most and does cause the most number of deconversions because logical syllogisms seldom lend comfort to people who have experienced these type of um, things that take place in the world or, or even from a guy like Jonathan Steingart's view. I I don't know specifically that he's ever had somebody uh, in his life um, suffer, uh, you know, at the hands of, a tornado or or a hurricane or or something like that, but even from his position, uh, I can empathize with him because there are times where I look out and see what's going on in the world and say, "Man, how does that uh, fit into this the story of you know God redeeming mankind to Himself through the sacrifice of of Jesus?" Uh, most people who have experienced these types of natural evils um, struggle emotionally, and that's understandable. And so what the question at hand is, what resources or what arguments does the Christian have in order to handle this, this seemingly indomitable, indomitable part of the problem of evil? And, and the first thing that I would say is this. Uh, if we're trying to, to talk to somebody like Jonathan Steingard or somebody that has experienced um, or suffered at the hands of natural evil or some type of thing that is tragic that's taken place that doesn't seem to have an explanation, the first thing that we really need to do is not just rush in and and give a philosophical or apologetics answer. The first thing that we need to do is we need to give them a shoulder to cry on, give them an ear to to, to listen. And and maybe it, maybe one of the things that we do is, is that we just sit in silence and comfort somebody, send them a card, 
um, call them up and just say, Hey, Hey, I know that you're struggling and I just want to tell you that I love you. Uh, This piece of the problem of evil is far more pastoral in the sense that we, we simply need to comfort people that are experiencing that. And we need to really do our due diligence to pick the appropriate time to have this type of conversation about reconciling the natural evil that takes place in the world with the existence of God or the truth of Christianity. And in my experience, most of the time that takes place when they end up asking me the question. I don't, I don't ask the question to them. I don't ask, Hey, how are you reconciling this tragic event that's taken place in your life with the existence of God? I just don't do that. Let them ask you the question. Um, that, that seems to be the best approach. The other thing that, that we need to really reference when that time does come is we need to focus on the Christian worldview. As philosopher, philosopher Alvin Plantiga has said, as the Christian sees things, God does not stand idly by, coolly observing the suffering of his creatures. He enters into it and shares our suffering. He endures the anguish of seeing his son, the second person of the Trinity, consigned to the bitter, cruel, and shameful death of the cross. He was prepared to accept this suffering in order to overcome sin and death and the evils that afflict our world, and to confer on us a life more glorious than we could ever imagine. So what's Plantinga saying? What Plantinga is saying is that when we see these evils that take place, even some natural evils, right? Um, we should not think that God is not present. God hasn't moved. God sees what's going on and, and probably not probably um, God knows these things and God comforts us in these, in these times uh, of sorrow and pain. And and that's also the point of the church, isn't it? The point of the church is to be uh, God's hands and feet and mouth and ears uh, during these times of suffering and, and pain. Um, but also when the time comes, we, we need to project a perspective that is one of heaven, that while I am going to suffer in this life, that it's not the end all be all. And I think sometimes as Christians, when things happen and things take place that we don't expect or that we see as, um, we don't see how they can be reconciled. We need to have a, a heavenly view of what's going on that, well, I might suffer and have some serious pain and suffering and view it. Ultimately, this is not the way that God intended for his relationship with mankind to be. He didn't intend for the world to be this way and that it's not going to stay this way. Uh, We clearly see that in Romans chapter eight, where Paul says, you know, we groan, the spirit groans and the earth groans for the days that for the day in which that will come in, which, um, you know, the adopted sons are, are revealed uh, basically what Paul is talking there about there in Romans chapter eight is, is what's going to happen at the end of, um, you know, this life 
um, this journey that humanity is is on, that when Jesus comes back, all things will be redeemed. And so in in our in relating to our suffering, God's not absent. Jesus knows uh, what it's like uh, to be rejected, to be mocked, doubted, deserted, isolated, uh, in hunger, in need, scourged, flogged, stripped, naked, humiliated, tortured, hung on a Roman cross until he dies. And, and Jesus even references times um, where, where random things seem to have happened in the lives of people in Palestine. And he, he makes note that um, this doesn't make somebody more or less holy. The issue is not, you know, is someone more or less holy because a tower fell on them? The question is, are you ready for when those things do happen? And so, you know, the the answer for the emotional problem of evil is to focus on the one person who knows everything there is to know about suffering, and that's God. Um, if God, you know, doesn't exist, what's the outcome of that? Uh, we're we're locked, you know, without hope in, in, in a world filled with with unredeemed evil. And so, God is the final answer to the problem of evil. And uh, he's the one that takes us into this everlasting joy of, um, you know, you can't quantify the the good and and, and the fellowship that we're going to have with him. But I but I'd like to take a moment and and flip this also, and really press um, the skeptic side of this as well. And and I hope that if Jonathan Steingart ever listens to this podcast, I hope that he would take this into consideration too, that um, even if I abandon Christianity because of the problem of evil, I still have to have an answer for the problem of evil. You know, the, the Christian worldview, I do believe, has some considerable obstacles to navigate. And I think that the Christian worldview does navigate those. But the atheist still has to navigate the emotional problem of evil. Um, you know, obviously God and evil are not logically impossible or improbable, but let's just give the atheist what they, what they want maybe and say that, yeah, God doesn't exist because of evil. Well, how does the atheist, you know, account for that? Can atheists live, uh, consistently if, if evil exists? And, and I don't think, I don't think that they can. And, you know, here's why. Um, this is what Dr. Dr. Smith, R. Scott Smith from Biola, he's a Christian ethicist. This is how he defines naturalism. He says, naturalism, at the very least, is the denial of the supernatural realm. All is matter. Therefore, God does not exist. Moreover, naturalism typically is described ontologically in terms of physicalism especially of a strict or narrow version in which there are no immaterial properties or entities. All that exists is the physical and physical is the ideal science to explicate reality, to explain reality. So in the commitment to atheism, one is left with naturalism, physicalism, materialism. And in that commitment, atheists encounter their own problem of evil for example, 
uh, Richard Dawkins, who is the famous atheist biologist. In his book, River Out of Eden, uh, A Darwinian View of Life, notice what he states. On the contrary, if the universe were just electrons and selfish genes, uh, meaningless tragedies like the crashing of the bus um, are exactly what we should expect. Such a universe would neither would be neither evil nor good in intention. Some people are going to get hurt, other people are going to get lucky, and you don't find any rhyme or any reason to it, nor any justice. DNA neither cares nor knows. DNA just is, and we dance to its music. Think about that for a second. You know, per Dawkins, whatever happens just happens. Nature is indifferent. People simply act and react to the hard to the hardwiring of their own DNA. But here's the thing. Uh, Dawkins elsewhere uh, speaks of the atrocities committed by religious people. He says, I have deliberately refrained from detailing the horrors of the Crusades, the Conquistadors, or, or the Spanish Inquisition. Cruel and evil people can be found in every century of every persuasion. Now, do you see the irony there? While Dawkins affirms moral terms like cruel and evil, uh, what basis does he make such a moral value judgment? Given his commitment to naturalism, why weren't the Crusades, the conquistadors, or the inquisitors of Spain simply dancing to their DNA? So in the same way uh, that Dawkins would not consider a lion morally evil for killing a baby antelope, why make a moral judgment about any action? Since on naturalism, as Dawkins has said, there is no good, there is no evil, but he drives against his own worldview and, and many people who share his worldview, um, whether they know it or not, do the same thing. Right. Um, you know, they moralize the actions of Israel in the old Testament and offer their moral opinion, uh, about whether or not raising somebody, raising a child in, in religion is, is child abuse. Dawkins has come out and said that to raise your kid in any type of religious setting, um, is child abuse. So here's the point that I would make with regards to Dawkins and, and possibly Jonathan Steingart, if he embraces atheism by affirming that evil does exist, atheists like Dawkins undercut their worldview because they have appealed to a standard beyond themselves. Science in its purest form, ladies and gentlemen, is morally neutral. It cannot generate good or evil um, within a lab. And I'm using that hyperbolically. You know, while naturalism may be able to reveal how the world works, it can't account for how the world ought to be. You know, at, at best, it seems to me, from a naturalistic worldview, uh, from an atheistic worldview, actions like that of the Spanish uh, Inquisition are merely unfashionable. You know, that's not somebody's preference, 
but they're not really wrong. And so those who take the line that, that Dawkins takes, uh, they may affirm uh, such a worldview with regards to naturalism, but they are inconsistent in living it out. And so when you see things uh, that are often brought up in the logical problem or the evidential problem, or even in the naturalistic uh, or, or the natural evils that take place, it's just simply the way that it is. Uh, we're animals, animals dance to the DNA. And so there is no good, there is no evil. It's just, it's just indifference. And I don't know, I don't think that that's anywhere close to the answer that Christianity gives uh, for for the position or, or for the problem of evil. And so while the, the problem of evil clearly, uh, specifically the, the natural problem of evil, but the problem of evil on on a whole, it seems to be a daunting challenge to the Christian worldview. It, it seems to me that upon a deeper examination, um, Christianity gives a very good explanation for why we see what we see and and the atheistic worldview um which also has to account for evil just says it is what it is and so i would encourage uh jonathan steingard and and those who are listening or who may listen in the future um that have recently left christianity i just want to ask one question what do you do with the problem of evil on atheism or on, on skepticism and, and does that explanation, uh, one, is it a really good explanation? And two, can you live it out consistently? And if you can't, then my question would be, my follow-up question would be, then why leave Christianity if Christianity makes the most sense of the evil that we see in the world? So once again, uh, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, thank you so much for listening in to the Daily Apologist podcast. Between this episode and the next episode, go ahead and check us out at thedailyapologist.com for blogs, videos. Check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. We're everywhere, and we just want to provide content that can help you equip yourself to engage culture. This is Dean Meadows signing off for the Daily Apologist podcast. And remember, equip yourself to engage culture.